Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres' free fall in the standings continues coming off of a very disappointing 7-4 loss against the now red-hot Seattle Kraken. A lot to take away from this game that unfortunately was in the negative, namely the defense. The defense was really, really bad. Darlene had another brutal game, a couple of brutal turnovers, namely the first two goals, especially the shorthanded Brandon Tanev goal, which was started by what was could be generously described as a lazy backhand pass, trying to get it onto the four wall. Tanev intercepts it and just outworks, outskates, and outbodies Darlene, which led to a shorthanded goal. Darlene was draping over him, trying to get him off the puck and just simply couldn't. And it was embarrassing. And I think even though generally speaking, he's been okay this last run of games, it's it's symbolic of just how he really has played as a whole this season compared to the expectation that we all have. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh it's unfortunate we have to keep talking about him like this, but it sucks. <laughs> yeah, these these turnovers, it's weird because it it's not so much consistent consistent bad play like we had with the previous Rasmus. It's these just every once in a while, these unbelievably terrible turnovers and then porous play on one-on-one defense. And I saw someone on Twitter mention, it doesn't seem like that's really his one-on-one defense is necessarily a hockey thing. It's like he's in his own head. And I feel the same way about his uh, play through the neutral zone. Uh, It seems like he should be a lot more effective in either finding outlet passes or skating the puck into the zone. And it's frankly concerning that he's been so uh, ineffective at both of those. But yeah, like you said, the one-on-one defense has been a problem, and uh, Buddy, has the goaltending been a problem? Well, yeah, and one last thing that I do want to just say about Darlene. See, you know, as we're talking about the Tanev goal, it was it came off of a, of a turnover. I'm okay with him having turnovers when it comes from him trying to generate offense. When they're what? freaking dessert, am I right? <laughs> oh, my God. But really, though, like – if, if he's trying to make something happen and make a move and has a turnover, then that's okay. Not this rinky dink backhand pass. And, and just, just, it just seems so lackadaisical with him. And honest to God, I know people bring it up sometimes seriously, sometimes joking, but like legitimately, I think this guy needs a sports psychologist because this, he's just a shell 
of what he had shown he's capable of being. You know, when I think back to his rookie year, I mean, it was all the promise in the world with him. When he had the puck on his stick, he was skating with confidence. He was trying out moves that were kind of like, oh, whoa, like this dude is a rookie defenseman. He's doing that. I, I, you know, there was an aggressiveness to him, not necessarily in his own zone, but more so just with the puck on his stick and bringing it up ice. Whereas now it's almost like he just wants to get it off his stick in a lot of cases. And it's like, dude, you were drafted first overall because of the fact that you are an elite or you were touted as an elite puck mover. You had elite hands, great passing ability, especially in making outlet passes. And I mean, we're talking about such minuscule things at this point, like him making a shitty backhand pass on the power play. And then he just gets worked, outworked just to the highest extent by Brandon Tanev, which don't get me wrong. He's carved out a good role for himself in the league. It is obviously a legitimate NHL player, but it's Brandon Tanev we're talking about here. You know, you're not trying to fend off or trying to take the puck away from Dreisaitl or McDavid. I mean, that's a battle that you have to win. Yeah. And if you are going to make oh, yeah. that kind of a mistake in the offensive zone while you're on the power play right after you were responsible for the first goal of the game too, it's unacceptable. It just can't happen. It can't. Yeah. I when uh, when Tanev did that to Dowling, I looked like Brandon Tanev did in his uh, team photo. <laughs> yeah, that's that was me. Look that up if you don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I, and I've said before, like Dowling is not my favorite topic of conversation, just because it what a hard realization it's going to be if it ends up that he's a bust or not. What we has no chance of becoming ten percent, even if what we thought he could be. That's going to be a tough realization that I haven't come to yet. Well, but, but like, I will say this people complaining about Darlene. I do not, I can't say you're wrong. I can't say, stop doing that. You're right. You're all, you're all on the right path. I think I'm still not hundred percent on the Risto comparisons just because I think Darlene's shown a lot more and what he seems to have trouble with should be more fixable. Who knows? But like, I get, I, what I really don't get is the people who say like, not that, not my thing. I don't want to talk about it because it's sad. But the people who are like, like, leave him alone or like, oh, you just want a punching bag. Like, this is serious. If the Sabres are going to be good again in the near future, Dalene is going to be a pretty important part of that. It's really hard for me to think that he won't be a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. I I just it's hard. It's harder for me to see a path to them being a real contender. I mean, anyone can make the playoffs. I know that hasn't happened in a decade. (laughs) I was going to say anyone. Oh, yeah. Well, anyone but us. Not us. yeah, teams teams can make the playoffs and not be impressive. Like the Wild have made the playoffs. Like I don't know more than half the time to bet a franchise. Do you remember any of those times? Exactly. No. What, what I'm looking at is like scaling up after that. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but like in the future, if there's ever a future where the Sabers are scaling up to being a team that's interesting in the playoffs, Dalene has to be a part of that and being at least eighty percent of his potential. So the people that are seemingly like don't criticize him, uh, you're or not don't criticize him, but like you're being too harsh. He's you're making him a punching bag and all that. Or people that are like, oh, it's not his fault. He went first overall. It's like. It literally is. But that's what, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Then We're don't score so about... much uh, in Sweden, pal. Right. This isn't like, you know, a late first round guy or something like that, where it's up in the air, whether they're even going to be able to make an impact in the NHL. So like to your point, Taylor, for people saying, oh, you're being too hard on him or you need a punching bag. That's not true. It's holding the guy accountable for his incredibly high draft status. This is not asking too much of him. I mean, if you're taken first, what a nonsense thing to say. It's not his fault. He was taken first overall. 
sorry that the guy was talented when he was 18. I mean, what do you expect? These are the expectations that are set when you're taken in the top five, let alone first overall. It's completely unrealistic for anybody to expect people to not try and be hard on him, especially when it's not as though he's like producing maybe on the offensive side of things, but that's it happening in spite of maybe some defensive deficiencies. This is happening on both ends of the ice and in the neutral zone where he's having major, major issues. So, you know, it's like we talked about begin in the beginning of the year. My where I'm at with Darlene and where I've been at with him now, because I don't know with some of this stuff, if you're ever going to be able to get him all the way back. But if he could just be an elite offensive defenseman where you have some defensive deficiencies, but at the same time, if this guy is putting up 60 points a year, then I'm fine with that. I think that that's the most realistic approach here. Like maybe this is just who this guy is where you're not going to be able to get things turned around on a defensive end. But if you can make it, make him, you know, click offensively a bit and he's able to put up 50, 60 points for you, putting up, you know, 20 plus points on the power play. I think that's a major win. And part of me wonders too, if Owen power coming into the fold next year is going to help with that, because I mean, right now, Darlene is the guy on defense. There is nobody in our defensive core who is as highly touted as him. Hell, there might not be anybody, you know, on the team currently who is as highly touted as he has given his pedigree as a first overall draft pick. But I do wonder if power coming into the fold will take some of that pressure off of him. And maybe power is, is ready to go to get, you know, top four minutes or even top pairing minutes for that matter. I think that there's going to definitely be a learning curve there as there always is with defensemen, of course, but if power is, is, is as legit as we all think, and as people are making him out to be, maybe that does help Darlene a lot with just taking away some of the pressure and the responsibility that he currently has right now. And again, the key thing here is that we should not have to be saying this about a first overall draft pick. Yes, exactly. He's not like, he's not like Ryan Nugent Hopkins level or anything like that. We're like Nugent Hopkins is like compared relatively speaking to like high end first overall picks. He's maybe more of like a mid tier or lower one. This isn't even that like he is just, uh, just uh, a shell of himself. Yeah. It's, it's a big concern. So Sunday, while we were recording, uh, the Sabres made a move. They signed Mark Jankowski, who uh, is, a, I guess you could say, NHL veteran and uh, will be around. It says uh, not good things about injuries, if you ask me. But what are your thoughts on Mark Jankowski? Do you have any? Um, I'm disappointed that it comes at the expense of R2 Rustalainen getting sent down to Rochester. And while I know he is not necessarily impressed this year i think that it's important to keep in mind the quality of his line mates and who he's been playing with you know i i had said a few weeks ago put him back with cousins and see what that does for you see if it makes it happen i know that they're using a pozo there right now um but why keep putting this guy at center when Last year when he had success, he was playing with Cousins and he was playing on the wing and he was getting more favorable matchups. And it seems like this year their approach with him was just completely different. And they really did not give him very many opportunities to succeed. Sure, he was getting played in games. But again, I just go back to the quality of his line mates that he's playing with. And, you know, it sounds basic, but like Roostalainen's not a guy that's going to be able to drag around a couple of fourth liners. Like he's a supplemental player 
But when you play him with other talented players like Dylan Cousins, who can drive play, he's able to focus on more of the facets of his game that make him effective, namely his shot. He has a great shot in the way that we've been able to see Cousins drive play, carry the puck into the offensive zone and control possession, driving to the net. I mean, Rustalainen felt like it would be at the worst it would be a good idea to at least try and see if he could act as his trigger man there for a bit, you know? And again, especially with like the injury bugs that we have right now, like this whole year we said from the start, hasn't been about win or wins or losses. And it shouldn't be regardless of of anything that happens. it, It should not come down to that. It comes down to the development of the young guys. And when you look at Rustalainen, it's hard for me to look at that situation and say, they're putting him in the best possible place to succeed. It's almost, I don't want to say they're setting him up for failure, but it kind of feels like that a little bit when you're deploying him as your fourth line center and you're not really giving him any other opportunities up the lineup besides that. I mean, and then as, as far as Jankowski himself, it's fine, I guess, you know, like I don't, it's whatever. I just, I don't like that. It comes at the expense of Roostaline and then getting, having to get sent down. Now, with that being said though, that could also lead to Roostaline and going down tearing it up and maybe he's back up in two weeks and we don't have to worry about this anyways, but we don't know that right now. And all we can really talk about and speculate on is what's happening at the current moment. And at the current moment, I don't love how they handled him this year. And I don't like that Jankowski is going to be getting minutes in like John Hayden, for example. And these guys are getting minutes at Roostalainen's expense because I do think that there's something there. And I think that there's value in the player. What what about you? What was your take? I agree with that. It, it, with roots lining going down, that's someone that you might see in the future. Mark Jarikowski is not a part of your future and neither no. is John Hayden. So maybe use him in a pinch if you have to. I mean, I know there's injuries going, going around and whatnot, but I just, I just don't see why you want him in Rochester. I, you know, he's too no. good for Rochester and maybe he hasn't played the way he should, but I, you play through it. You're losing anyway, mm-hmm. but absolutely. I mean, they allow other players to do that. Why not him? And I think, again, it's important to keep in mind as, as I'm sure most of us realize and understand he may be young or considered a prospect, but he's not like young in relative NHL years. I mean, the guy's what 24 years old right now. Like, yeah, he's not young. We should know if this guy is going to be able to hack it in the NHL. And again, they're not really giving him the chance to find that out. Can I bring uh... Go go ahead. I was going to say, if we're ready to transition off of this, can I just bring up the fact that it feels as though the the Robert Hag honeymoon is now over because, man, that guy sucks. So does Will Butcher. I am ready to move on and be done with both of them and never have to watch them play hockey again. Hag, it was like within the first five minutes of the first period, this dude had one of the worst, his worst shifts of the year where it was like stand out bad. At this point, you know, it was, again, getting pushed off the puck in his own zone, a bad turnover, you know, below the red line. He just does nothing for you at all. And Butcher, I mean, he had his nice little one game with Darlene where he looked good the first time that they played together. And then after that, just went on a downward slope from there. I am very, very good on both of them move them if you can future considerations whatever you should probably be able to get a little bit more for hag but i'm i'm good i'm done with them i i have no interest i know we obviously are still going to have to but get them out of here bring up samuelson like we don't 
we don't need this. So that that's what I wanted to bring up. I don't know if you have any takes on that as, as well. He stinks. Majorly. <laughs> yeah, so is Will Butcher. Not good. But you know what doesn't stink, Brendan? DraftKings. Wow. Football fans, of which there are many listening, I'm sure. I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. You probably will not see this one this Monday night, but still. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point scored. New customers who can bet just $1 on any NFL and any team to score win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get on in the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So, what do you got to do? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. That's the Hockey Podcast Network. Bet $1 at any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Speaking of the NFL, Taylor, and we could probably talk about this more for our Monday episode, but we will be in attendance together Monday night against the Patriots. One to That's ten. Right. How excited are you? Hmm. Let's say 10. You know, I don't want to be any, I don't want to be timid or anything about this. This isn't the bills of the past. And you know, it's like people say fear is the mind killer. Mm. So that would make me think that excitement is the mind strengthener. I'm going to have to check up on that. I haven't read Dune. So (laughs) Uh, anyway, I guess the opposite of fear is bravery, not excitement, but you know, in this, in, in sports, it's not so much bravery as it is excitement. You know what I mean? I think that being a Buffalo sports fan is pretty brave. So, you know, I, I agree with the, with the sentiment overall. I'm pumped. I'm, a, I'm at a 10 too. I've never been to Monday night football before. And, oh, a win against the Patriots on Monday night football would be the most satisfying thing I, yes. I could ever experience. Yeah, real, real chef's kiss. Real out of body. Um, yeah, chef's kiss out of body, all of that stuff. Yes. But uh, so, back to the NHL though. Yeah, well, I was going to say the Bills uh, are on pace to be, you know, they're not as high scoring on a per-game basis as last year, I don't think. But there's a 17th week this year, or sorry, 17th game and an 18th week, which means they might be higher scoring than last year. And last year, what I think was the highest scoring team in franchise history. Anyway, that reminds me, the Buffalo Sabres are scoring more than they have in quite a while, which is an interesting thing. That's not something that's really been talked about because it's still not that much. Um, but the team uh, is is what has been noticeable with this recent stretch of them getting five to seven goals put on them every game. And I guess that's an aside uh, since we last talked. Uh, Tokarski is really getting close to that 900 mark. He's at 903 now. So good chance he dips under it by the next time we talk. You don't love to see that. No. And obviously the other guy, I'm not even going to say his name. Um, but the team has actually been scoring like this past game against Seattle last year. They would have lost this game five to two this year. It's seven to four. Mm-hmm. Is that growth? They still lost by three. I don't know. All I know is they're scoring more 
a couple man i don't remember who it was they were they were careening towards a 5-2 loss and they scored a third goal and then really skinner got incredibly close to scoring a fourth one and they just look a little bit less listless on offense they definitely take more chances i think there's maybe something to be said i, I think i've have to dig into it more to know if this idea with granado is how much of a how much more effective it is than what kruger did my guess is a lot more effective because i think when we compare cuz there's someone whose name i also won't mention a uh, certain Buffalo sports media personality that mentioned about the team giving up the same number of goals per game last year and this year. It's like, well, you know, in about a quarter or more of the games last year, close to a third of games, they got to start Linus Allmark, who's a real NHL goalie, mm-hmm. not a great one, but an NHL goalie. And this year they only had, they have, you know, it's different guys that are bad, but they only have guys who are Craig Anderson's been okay. Only started six games, but this this stretch is what we're getting at why it's been really bad it's not the defense it's not the system it's a little bit of the defense i guess i should say it's a little bit of the defense but that's been a problem for a decade it's not totally the system it's that their goaltending really stinks but that's not what we're here to talk about we're here to talk about the offense so i'm going to throw some numbers at you sabers have scored 64 goals in 22 games uh they're on pace for 239 goals last year they would have been on pace. I mean, they played 56 games. If they played 82, they would have been on pace for 202 goals. Um, they, looking uh, at, at a few other ones here, they scored 245 in 2010-11. That's the last time they scored as many goals as they're on pace for this year. I don't see too many reasons they should slow down. Maybe they slow down a little. But still, they might be the highest scoring team since, this might be the highest scoring team in the entire drought. And that includes pro rating, the last season, the 2019-20 season, which was cut off a little bit short with COVID, and the 2012-13 season. The NHL loves not playing 82 games. Wow. Pro-rate all those, they still wouldn't be 239. Again, not that high of a bar, but improvement's improvement. And they're doing this with no Jack and no Taylor Hall. I know you're saying those guys combined for four goals last year. No Sam Reinhardt, who scored well, an incredible game winner. With seconds remaining last night against the Capitals. Oh my God. Anyway, sorry. More on him in a second. But I was yeah, Jack and Hall. watching that. It was awesome. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. But I will say, you might say they only had four combined goals last year. And I would say that's an indictment of last year's offense. True. And system. Uh, Sam, they're without their leading score from last year at 25 goals. And then also some of the guys that came on scoring wise last year, Casey and Victor Olison have missed time. In fact, Casey Millsap has barely played at all. He's He played like two periods this year. Olsen missed a few weeks. So they have been without the guys that could score last year, and they haven't really added anyone who could score, which is interesting. Uh, they've had 16 different guys score a goal this year. Uh, they have Tage Thompson on pace for 37 goals. Jeff Skinner's on pace for 30. Oposo, Cousins, and Olofsson are all on pace for just over 20. And Asplund is on pace for just under 20. And they have 10 guys 10 who were on pace for well so including those guys they have four additional guys who are on pace to have double digit goals which means 10 total guys that's 10 incredible. total guys that's incredible yes that are on pace for 10 goals not that this is you know great stats for the first quarter of a season they don't always hold up especially with injuries and whatnot mm-hmm. but it's a quarter of the season and they're on pace for their best goal to- goal scoring total in a while and the only guy who i'm like eh, he can't keep this up 100 percent is tage and then slightly a little bit oposo 
a little bit Oposo. Mm-hmm. How about the rebirth of Jeff Skinner? I mean, the fact that he is on pace for 30 goals, we'll see if he actually hits that. But even if he hits 25, I mean, what a remarkable achievement after last season, especially. He's never going to live up to being the $9 million guy, but if he ends up being able to be a, a 25, 25, 50 player and can sustain that, especially as the team continues to grow and get better and we get more talent into the organization as well, not that the contract is ever going to look good, but it'll make it a lot easier if he's producing. And again, we've talked about this several times, really since we've acquired him, that his style of play is 100% conducive to having success into your 30s. He's not at 30 yet, but as we get to that point and just how he plays, I mean, there's no reason why he can't continue to be a, a productive player if he can just continue playing at the pace that he's playing at right now. Um, one point I also wanted to bring up on the goalies, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Our friend Walt Sabermetrics uh, brought up a really good point that I think a lot of us have maybe not forgotten, but have lost sight of, we'll say, um, just given the fact of, like you're saying, that the Sabres are scoring goals, but ultimately it's their goaltending that's just crushing them. That's by design. You don't come into the year with your goalies being Craig Anderson, Dustin Tokarski, and Dell CEO Michael Dell just because you because you think you're going to be winning and, and you're trying to win games. There are other goalie options out there. We talked about this last time on our, on our last episode, whether it's, you know, Allen or Holtby, Koskinen has been thrown out there a bit. Uh, but if Kevin Adams isn't jump chomping at the bit to make a move, it kind of makes sense as to why. And I think the why in this scenario is uh, a, a young gentleman by the name of Shane Wright. Not that I think that they're going to ever end up being as bad as Arizona, but the lower you get. Well, Ottawa's behind pace, Arizona uh, now. What's that? Ottawa's behind Arizona now. Ottawa, well, either way, yeah, regardless. Either way, Ottawa, Arizona, I don't think that the Sabres will catch up to being like the last place team in the league. However, I do think, though, that Walt brings up a great point that maybe they're just, you know, like we've been saying, it's not about wins and losses and they don't really want to steer off course here. Like they're expecting to be bad, but if it happens and you know, while at least the young guys are playing well, then that's okay. And maybe they're okay with that. Maybe they're okay with, you know, this, and they have that expectation. I mean, I'm sure that they do again, like you don't bring these guys in and expect that you're going to be, you know, not even a 500 team we'll say. Right. Um, so I don't know. That's just kind of an important thing that I think is worth everybody, you know, keeping in mind here. Um, I, you know, you can never go in as we have painfully learned, you can never go into a year just trying to bank on the lottery or anything like that. But if they're trying to solidify another top five pick and use it on a forward, actually this time around, not going out and getting Braden Holpe, who's been looking good for Dallas this year, or Koskinen, who, even though I said I didn't want him last time, has been on a good run for Edmonton, or Allen, who's proven, even though the Canadians are trash, that, you know, he could start and, and, and handle, like, a large load of games. That I, I think that that's something that maybe, uh, you know, we'll see if the pressure goes up on that more and more. Um, but in just thinking about that, I don't know if I necessarily hold my breath that something's going to happen. Yeah. So real quick, um, before we get to this quiz, we have also, I should say they're on pace to give up 287 goals and the way they're playing now after their decent start, I think it might be North of 300. 
that'd be something. I'm not sure the last time someone did that. Anyway, um, real quick, uh, the Sabres came out with a promotion today uh, called like Let It Ride, say, uh, presented by the Seneca Buffalo Creek Casino. Sabres win, you win. Uh, buy a ticket. This is not a promotion by me, by the way. We're not, this is not an ad. I'm just saying it's kind of funny. You buy a ticket to three Sabres games. If the Sabres win all three games, you get a complimentary ticket to another game. Sabres win that game, you get another complimentary ticket, and so on. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you really have a lot of money and you're going to go anyway, you might as well try to get the three at once. But don't go three at once being like, I might get a free ticket. You're not getting a free ticket. Mm. They're not winning three. You're not picking the three games they win. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. good to know that you won't be chopping at the bit for that one. Yeah. <laughs> and you got to buy them through the Sabres to get this too. So yeah, I'd recommend uh, not doing that, not buying through the Sabres if you're going to go to a game. That is a, but that's, you know, credit to them for trying. I, uh, I mean, honestly, I mean that honestly, like yeah. you need to get uh, butts and seats and you probably want to sell those tickets. They're under 50% right now. Like that's yeah. so bad. So yeah. bad. Like you have just drained the soul from this fan base. Yeah. I mean, so good on you guys for trying. Uh, this week, they'll be on the road. They're facing maybe the two best teams in the Eastern Conference, Carolina and Florida. Brandon, what do you think of Carolina and Florida? you think they're good? Yeah. So what are your thoughts? This is uh, beside the, that point, but that's who they're playing coming up. I think I know what we'll be talking about on, on some Monday show. It'll be two losses, if I had to guess. What is your quick opinion of Tampa Bay? Do you think they're good, bad, great, what? I mean, I think Tampa's... Good. I think that you'll see them improve more and more as the year goes on. I mean, they're just, let's be real here. They've won the last two Stanley cups. They're not exactly a team that you can underplay. Um, You know, of course they had some off season moves. Yanni Gord leaving, I think is a big one for that, a big loss for them. Tyler Johnson's not there. Granted, he's not as impactful as he maybe once was, but they lost some guys. And even in spite of that though, I think that um, you can't take Tampa Bay lightly whatsoever. Do I think that right now they're as good as Florida? No, I don't. But it's at the point now that if you win back-to-back cups, the mentality should be they're at the top until they're not anymore. All right. So what? what's your uh, – do you think the Washington Capitals are good? I think that Washington – Still just, it's tough with them because like, yeah, they're obviously very good considering they're at the top of the Metro right now. Um, I mean, 14 and four is no joke. You know, their, their goal differential, they're plus 25, but at the end of the day, I still don't know if they're like fully solid in goal right now with the Samsonov Vanacek duo. Um, but I mean, yeah, they're at the top of the Metro. So like, they're, they're really good. And, and when I say this and I'm like, you know, not, I don't mean to sound iffy on it, but when we're talking about like the upper echelon of, of teams in the league, that's really what I'm referring to, you know, because as you had, I believe made a point of a couple of times over the summer, like they're getting older, like they're, they're not getting any younger there. That core continues to get older. However, they're still, still maintaining a, a lot of the production that we've seen out of them recently. Um, do I, you know, I, certainly some, I think regressions coming to like, they're not going to continue to play on the pace that they're currently playing at. I think the same can definitely be said for Carolina as well. 
but yeah, I mean, I think Washington is definitely legit. Like, all right. Last question. Do you think the Winnipeg jets are good? Oh, it's tough. They haven't been getting enough out of Mark Shifley, which I think is a, a really big, big problem for them right now. I think, what are they like, like fifth in the, in, in the central or something like that fourth or, or fifth. Yeah. So Hold they're on. tied with Dallas right now for fourth in the, in the, uh, in the central, um, you know, they have an elite top end goalie and Connor Hellebuck. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois has, has come back on strong this year and has regained form and is playing as the player that I think everybody knew him to be and that Winnipeg thought that they were going to be getting when they acquired him. Obviously, that didn't work out off the bat last year, but it's been paying dividends for them this year. Um, so I would, I would like to think, though, in Winnipeg's case, once Shifley gets going and like really gets going back to his like point-per-game self, that you'll start to see them move more and more up the, uh, up the standings. But I don't at this point, personally, I would not put them in the same class as the three teams that you had asked me about prior. And I'm sure now you're going to tell me something, some crazy fact about them all that ties them together. How good will the Southeast division be this year? <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? How oh, good would it have been if it was still a division? If Atlanta? Whole division. Yeah. I mean, if that division was still together, because oh, yeah. like, uh, I think you could argue the Canes, Panthers, and Tampa are the three best teams in the East. And the Caps, you could argue that with the Caps being four, and the worst team in this division will be Winnipeg, who I'm pretty sure is going to make the playoffs. I mean, they are technically fifth right now in the uh, in the Central. They're also only three games, they're sorry, three points out of second, so they're bunched up. They're in that little, that little conglomerate that's behind Minnesota that I'm sure will all get passed by Colorado. So yeah. good division. So what I want to do is look back, because the Southeast Division, when it did exist, it sucked. So we have a real quick quiz here about one of the uh, particular bad years of the Southeast division, 2007, 2008, when no one in the division had more than 94 points. Uh, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the team. I just want you to name their leading scorer. So their leading goal guy, assist guy, and points guy. That's not going to be three different guys, obviously. And then their leading defenseman and then their goalie and coach. So let's start with the team that won the division. Uh, the Capitals God. won the division with 94 points. Who is their leading scorer? Alexander Ovechkin. All right. And a different guy led them in assists, though. Nicholas Backstrom. That's correct. And who was the goalie that started? You know, I'll get, this is fine. You can have, if you get either of the two, there's a goalie that started the uh, majority of the regular season and a different guy who played in the playoffs. Was Holtby the one in the playoffs? No, no, I'm, I'm too early on him. Aren't I? Yeah, you are. It's yeah, yeah. we would have accepted either Cristobal Huey in the playoffs wow. or only the goalie. Only the goalie still going strong. Wow. I was thinking him, but I thought he retired <laughs> after 07. No, this was, yeah, this is, I think he, he lost his job to Huey late in the season. And for wow. coach, here's a fun thing. We'll also accept two answers for coach. Was this when Adam Oates was there? No. Um, so weird thing I didn't know about this team. Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. No, they were like six and 14 to start the year with Glenn Hanlon. And he got fired for Bruce Boudreaux. Boudreaux, of course. Yeah. No. And they I, played uh, from, from this point, basically right now in the season on, they played at a 109 point pace. Boudreaux effects, man. Incredible wow. guy. And That's for every team, for every team, I'm going to give you a guy. Okay. Just as a treat. Boyd <laughs> Gordon. 
Boyko, oh my god. Uh, <laughs> all right. Right behind the Capitals, I assume they passed them over the course of their stellar last few months, was the Carolina Hurricanes with 92 points. The guy who led them in goals, assists, and points was the same guy. Eric Stahl? Yep. Uh, the guy who led them in defenseman points. You know, did I ask you who led the Capitals in defenseman points? I don't think I did. Uh, I no, did not, but Mike you Green? can guess. Yeah, it's Mike, Mike Green. Green. Yeah. 56 points. All right, who led Carolina in defenseman points? I know it's not him. Oh man, I feel like I do know this. And I'm, I'm gonna just throw, I'm gonna throw a real like a name out there. Oleg Trevidowski. No, that is a good name. Damn, it's it's a cool name like that. It's Frantisek Caberlet. Oh okay. Uh, who was their goalie? Cam Ward. Yep. Who was their coach? Laviolette. Yep, and here's a guy, Joe Corvo. Joe Corvo, wow. The, the uh, I almost said the Carolina Panthers. The Florida Panthers were third with 85 points. Uh, the same guy led them in goals, assists, and points. Who was it? God, 07-08, Florida Panthers. Uh, he had uh, 34 goals, 37 assists, and 71 points. Ole Jokinen. That's right. Ole the oh. not goalie. Who led them in defenseman points with 37? And by the way, I should say Caberlet had 22 points for Carolina to lead their defenseman in points. Nice. Good for him. Um, Campbell's not there yet. So is it, uh, is it Ed Jovanovsky? Oh, not Jovokop. It's uh, Jay Bomeister. Jay Bomeister. Wow. Forgot he was with Florida. Yeah, I started there. Uh, so who was their coach? Not a clue. Jacques Martin. Oh, oh, okay. He was a guy. Uh, and who was their goalie? The uh, Roboito. No, or wait, was he gone by this point? He was in Vancouver, I think. Or wait, was he? Oh, seven, oh, Roboito. Was it Roberto Luongo? It's Thomas Vokun. Vokun. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh. And here, here's a guy, former Sabres draft pick, uh, former Sabres draft pick, David Booth. That's oh. the guy of this team. I dropped the ball on that so bad. I should have <laughs> known that was Thomas Vokun. Oh, it's right around the trade time. Yeah. Because uh, he goes to Nashville from there, right? Vokun? Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I was, it's right around the time Luongo got traded. I mean, Luongo got right, traded. Doesn't and- Vokun fairly soon after end up going to Nashville? Mm, that's a good question. Did he go to Nashville first or Pittsburgh? I don't know. Anyways. Uh, fourth place, Atlanta Thrashers. Uh, same guy led them in goals, assists, and points. Nick Antropov. That's a bad guess. Why? Really? Because <laughs> they have an NHL Hall of Famer on their team. <laughs> what do you mean? Who? Is Hosa there? A probable Hall of Famer, I should say. Kovalchuk? Kovalchuk was the guy, yeah. Oh, dude, 52 thought, goals and 87 I points. I thought he was gone. Oh, no. There was a year uh, where Antropov – I'm about to look that up because Antropov led them at oh, – son of a – oh, as a quick side note, too, Vokun had just come from Nashville. That was my – where uh, I got – Vokun was in Nashville for 06, 07 – uh, and then he goes to Florida in 07-08. Underrated goalie. 
Really, though? Yeah. Oh, my God. And he, his career ended kind of, I would say, prematurely. He was 36, but he was still good. He had some kind of uh, issue. Like, I don't remember what it was. I think with one of his internal organs. Oh. But anyway, uh, who was their leading scorer defenseman with 38 points? Also, I just quickly want to say that Antropov had 67 points in 09-10. And that's, I think, what I was thinking of. So I was a couple years ahead of time. I should have uh, said, if I would have gave you the line, hopefully you would have got Kovalchuk with the 52 goals. Yeah, no, I know. I, I honestly just wasn't even thinking that he was there still. I mean, it makes sense that he obviously was. Anyways, though, what did you ask who the defenseman was? Yeah, Atlanta um, Thrasher's legend. Dustin Bufflin? That's a good guess. He wasn't there yet, and he wasn't a defenseman yet. It was Toby oh, yeah. Enstrom. Toby Enstrom. Oh, wow. That's another one I probably should have stopped and thought about for a minute. Yeah. So we got two coaches here, except two answers. I don't want to know either of them. Who are they? <laughs> you do know them, though. I, I didn't do. know either of them coached this team. Yeah, it's Bob Hartley and Don Waddell. Oh, wow. Huh. Don Waddell. And then goalie. Kari Lettinen. That's right. Kari Lettinen. And uh, here's a guy, former saver Slava Kozlov. Oh, yikes. That one hurt. The last place Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, in an effort that would get them Steven Stamkos, they finished with 71 points. Who led them in goals and points, but not assists? Wait, what? Uh, Tampa Bay, you said? Yeah, he had 40 goals, 52 assists, 92 points. Uh, Vinny LeCavalier? That's right. But who led them an assist with 58? It's got to either be St. Louis or Brad Richards. Um, let's go St. Louis. That's right. They had two defensemen tie with 31 points. If you get this, I'll be very surprised. Dan Boyle? No, he was third, weirdly. He was behind really? both of these guys. He was behind the legends, Paul Ranger and Philip Kuba. Oh, wow. They had a terrible goalie. Shout out, though, for uh, Dan Boyle coming third there. I was surprised. Um, Shout out to Philip Kuba. Philip Kuba. We love Philip Kuba. Um, goalie, you said? Um, mm-hmm. It's not him, but Javi Bullen. I don't know. No, it's right after him. It's Johan Holmquist. Wow. Ugh. And their coach. Uh, who was it? Uh, I don't know who. Tell me. Uh, John Tortorella. Tortorella. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then the guy on this team is also a former Saber. It's Chris Gratton. And I... second fun fact about this team. Uh, do you know who their captain was? Tim the Toolman Taylor. What? Yeah. What? Well, so on. it wasn't San Louis or Richards or Le Cavalier or Boyle. And I thought that was so weird because I know I've heard the story before that Le Cavalier was named captain very young and had his trip from him. Mm-hmm. And then I was trying to think who the captain was during the cup teams. And it's Andrew Chuck, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I think. And right. then yeah. he's gone. I just assumed they gave it to him or San Louis or Richards or someone. They didn't. They gave it to Tim Taylor, and he didn't play a game this year because he was hurt with a hip injury. Strange. Yeah. Weird world we live in. Is that it? That's the quiz. Wow. Good stuff. Good stuff. That was a good one. 
All right, everybody. Well, this has been another episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both of the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites, streaming platforms, and whatever social media platforms that you're active on. Also, make sure you're checking us out on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Straight Up Sabres and on Twitter at Straight Sabres. Make sure you're also subscribed to us on whatever your streaming platform of choice is. As we had said before, we'll be back with a brand new episode coming your way on Monday, but we hope you all have a great weekend. This has been Straight Up Sabres.